friends, happy Easter. It's good to be worshiping with you today. My name is Adam, if we have not yet met. And it's a great day to be a pastor, and it's a great day to be in worship together. I wonder if anybody else is like me, and sometimes there's words and phrases you kind of get mixed up. Like, I was in my late 20s before I understood that this piece of furniture is called a chest of drawers. For most of my life, I was like, I don't know who Chester is, and I think it's somewhat inappropriate that these would be his drawers. Like, I don't, I don't understand. But I was too embarrassed to ask anybody, so I just, I just went with it. Chest of drawers, who knew? Or I think sometimes people use the word literally the wrong way, right? And some of you know this. I'll, I'll, grammar snobs, you're safe here. Uh, you know, someone will, if they're laughing real hard, they'll say, ah, I, I literally died. And it's like, well, well, you didn't. You meant you figuratively laughed so hard you almost died, right? So I think we also do this with improbable. Improbable. Because a lot of times we use the word impossible, but what we really mean is improbable. Like they haven't made seven Mission Impossible movies because the mission inevitably fails, right? It's more like Mission Improbable, but that's somehow not quite, not quite as catchy. Or they haven't made 21 seasons of Restaurant Impossible because all the restaurants fail at the end of the episode, right? Hosted by extremely yoked host Robert Irvine. It's more like these restaurants are on the brink of failing and it's improbable they'll succeed, but lots of them do. Or think about Burger King's Impossible Whopper. Now I want to do a little social experiment. How many of you also had it into your head come... Whopper, 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 whopper. Okay. That's right. You're not alone. You're not alone. It is, it is improbable that a plant-based burger would taste like beef. What is impossible is me ever ordering one. Uh, at, eight, at our 8 o'clock service, we had a beef farmer, and he said, amen. <laughs> Friends, on Easter, we celebrate the impossible. That Jesus was crucified, died, and then three days later, he wasn't. The resurrection is essential to the Christian faith. Easter is the big one. This is when we break out the dry cleaning. This is the Jenga block that if you pull this out, everything else falls. So then to be a Christian is to believe the impossible. And we'll see in our scripture today that even the very first Christians, they didn't think Jesus rising from the dead was possible. We'll be reading from Luke chapter 24. Luke is one of the Gospels. That's a word that just means good news. And so the second half of the Bible, called the New Testament, begins with these four biographies of Jesus and the good news of Jesus who lived briefly, died violently, and rose unexpectedly. So this is from the last chapter in Luke's Gospel. Jesus has been executed, an innocent man. He died on the cross, and now his closest followers are coming to honor him in his death, in his burial. We'll pick up in verse 1 of chapter 24 from the book of Luke. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. There's an interesting uh, factor that we just read for most of Jewish history their holy day was Saturday, but we're here on a Sunday because of what happened on Easter. Christians began to worship on the first day of the week, and we'll read more about why. 
Just like in our culture, people have certain things they do after someone passes. And the women were doing the same thing. While other followers of Jesus scattered, hid. These women were brave enough to come and honor their friend, their leader. They came to embalm Jesus' body after his death according to their Jewish customs. And they were doing this because they believed Jesus was still dead. Because for him not to be dead would be impossible. We'll read on in verses 2 through 8. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Jesus had predicted before that he would rise again in three days. Or maybe a better word than predicted is promised. Now we don't know why his promise was not top of mind for the women who went to the tomb. Jesus said lots of important things. They were certainly grieving. They were also doing something extremely risky, showing their allegiance to a criminal who had been executed by the Roman Empire. So they were in grave danger. But they remember his words, and then they went to tell the others. Now these days, news breaks online. Uh, Anybody have notifications from their favorite news source or something on Twitter? You know, it's, it's tough to, like, tell someone something they might not have already known when it comes to breaking news. Like, this whole offseason, any chief signing, I try to say something to my man, Corey. He's already on it. He's already seen it. So it's, it's an interesting thing to tell somebody something they haven't heard yet. And this is the very first time these disciples are going to hear the good news about Easter from these women. Let's see how that went for them. Verses 9 through 11. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11 and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Now these these folks, the women who went to the tomb, I mean, think about the day they've already had. They've conversed with angels. They've seen an empty tomb. And now they come back to report it, and they're dismissed. Well, why is that? We read about the 11. That was the famous, used to be 12, now they're down to 11. We, we, we read about the most famous of Jesus' followers, and they dismiss them. They dismiss this idea because to them it was nonsense. Now, I don't want to get too technical on you here, but the Greek word that we translate into nonsense is also the term in Greek that doctors would use to describe someone babbling with a fevered mind. So the disciples are like, this is like fever dream stuff. Don't come to us with this. The 11 and the others don't believe them because for Jesus to be alive would be impossible. But Peter, you can kind of think of him as the captain of the team, the capo. He, he, he thought he'd go investigate this himself. And so we read in verse 12, Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. That was the burial cloth of Jesus. 
and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Now to summarize a lot of material, later Jesus would appear to these 11, these apostles and others, and he would be in his resurrected form. Peter would go from hiding in fear after Jesus' death, where he scattered, he bailed on Jesus and denied he knew him. And this same Peter would later preach boldly in the very next book of the Bible, the the book of Acts. We see Peter standing on the steps out in public, preaching to anybody that will hear about the resurrection. And included in these crowds were the same group of people who had Jesus arrested, tried, and executed. This change in Peter is impossible unless the resurrection is true. Peter would go on to write these words to the early church, some of the first Christians. This is from his letter, 1 Peter chapter 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. The living hope that we celebrate on Easter is in the God of possibility. That we aren't abandoned to our own sinful ways, but that God shows us great mercy. That we aren't doomed to mortality, but that we can experience a new birth. That Jesus has been resurrected from the dead. And in the face of impossibility, we can possess a living hope. Jesus promises that our inheritance is life. That through Christ, sin and death are defeated And Jesus said that whoever lives by believing in me will never die. On Easter, we celebrate the impossible, the hope of an empty tomb. The women initially didn't remember Jesus' words. Then they went to embalm his body. Then the disciples didn't believe their words. They thought they were nonsense. But God had done the impossible. If God could do this, What else might God do? Friends, if the resurrection is true, what else is possible? About a month ago, over spring break, my family went to go visit my mom in southeast Missouri. We had a great time. And the big deal was that it wasn't a big deal for us to be together as a family. Part of my story is uh, when when I was in high school... Uh, my parents divorced, and it did not go well. And there was a long time in my life uh, where my mother and I were estranged. And so when I see my kids playing with their grandma on the banks of the Mississippi River in Cape Girardeau, or when I look at this photo of my wife and my mom on Mother's Day, or this other photo of me and my mom and my stepmom, it confirms the living hope that I have. Because, man, I'm telling you, when I was 18, if you would have told me I'd be looking at these photos, I would have said, that is impossible. Friends, if the resurrection is true, if we really do have a living hope, what else is possible? If God can raise Jesus from the dead, then what else can God do, which by extension and comparison might be relatively easy? We worship the God of possibility. What else is possible? Easter gives us a living hope that relationships we think are dead and buried and gone don't have to be that way forever. A living hope 
that we aren't doomed to be addicted and that recovery is possible. A living hope that our children can grow up in a world where active shooter trainings are no longer necessary. A living hope that Alzheimer's or cancer or any terrible disease or even death cannot take this hope away. A living hope that we can unite as God's children across all the lines the world draws to divide. A living hope that believes, as Jesus said, with God, all things are possible. Friends, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth and a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And everybody said, amen. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. And the, 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 the living hope that we can claim and cling to, that you have done the impossible, that death is not the end, that sickness and pain and mourning and mortality do not have the last word. God, whatever we came in here carrying, we submit it to you. Place in our minds a peek around the empty tomb and help us consider that with you all things are possible. God, we thank you for the great mercy and love that you showed us in your son, Jesus Christ. And we thank you for the incomprehensible power and hope that you showed as he rose on that first day of the week so long ago. God, help us to claim this hope today, not just for the future, but as a living hope that we might walk in the way that leads to life, that we might be your disciples and that we might find hope in our leader and our Savior's resurrection. It's in his name we pray. Amen.